Hello and welcome to Hack Your Mindset with Jenny Winterleach, Fly and Changes Coaching, the Mindset Hacker. This morning we are interviewing Jodie Seddon of Stonehill Sports Horses and answering any questions that you guys put in. Okay. Good morning, Jodie. So just to um, introduce ourselves this morning, um, I'm obviously Jenny Winterleach from Fly and Changes Coaching. And with me, I have long-standing ambassador and sponsored rider, Jodie Seddon of um, Stonehill Sports Horses. And we're here today, we're gonna to be talking about lots of things today. We're gonna to be talking about training and what you can be doing at the moment, um, whether you can get to your horse or not. Uh, we're gonna be talking about things like rehab because Jodie runs um, part of her yard is rehab as she's very successful about rehabbing horses as well. We'll be talking about mindset cause obviously Jodie and I have been working together for a while. So she's gonna talk about mindset. And then we're just gonna talk at the end a little bit as well about um, legal things because Jodie is in fact a lawyer. So welcome Jodie, would you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about you? Yeah, sure. Hi, Jen. Um, and hello, everyone out there. I hope you're all all right. Um, you're not going too stir crazy at home on your own um, and that you've got sort of friends and family around you and everyone's safe and well, because um, that has to be the biggest priority now, I think. It's a, it's a funny old world out there. Um, anyhow, uh, grab a cup of tea. Um, <laughs> and Jen and I are going to have a bit of a chat about everything, I think. Um, to give you a little bit of background, I, um, I am going to be 40 this year until through school and university, it's terrifying, stop laughing. Um, through school and university, I always rode, I always had horses, I always competed. I never really thought I was good enough, I probably wasn't. Um, and so I went off to law school, um, I went to Oxford, then to law school, and then I had like a kind of big glittering city career, uh, which I think my father was really, really happy about. Um, and I wasn't so much, but it was great. I got to travel, I saw the world, I did this all on someone else's bank bank statement basically, which was wonderful. Um, and I did lots of great things. Um, and then I hit 30 and was like, I'm bored. So I, I bought a horse to sort of tinker around with at the weekends. I thought I might jump around a few 100s, thought I might have a nice time. It, it just escalated. Um, that was sort of, yeah, 10 years ago. Um, and now I'm sort of sat, we run Stonehill Sport Horses with my partner. He's a trainer, he's Dutch. Um, we have horses here from um, last year, we were competing at four-star level eventing. We had very good Bramham completion, Chatsworth. We've jumped around Blenheim three times. Um, and this is all on a, a home produced little 15-3. Um, honestly, you'd walk past them in the yard every time, um, but he, he is a little bit of a weapon. Um, we've also got uh, jumping horses, so so one or two of the eventers decided they didn't like eventing so much. Um, they're spearheaded by a beautiful bay horse called Flugel, who has just stepped up to 130. And actually, we, we've had a really, really brilliant winter. So we had a good year last year with the eventing up to a point. We got up, qualified for five star. And then, unfortunately, the, the little grey horse picked up an injury, which we'll, we'll chat about later. Um, so that's the eventing bucket. Um, then we started jumping more and more and we had a really, really good winter indoor season. So, so I suppose for a lot of people who aren't competing at the moment, they're like, oh gosh, we're all gearing up to go eventing. Um, we, we've been flat out all winter too, um, both with a, a couple of big boy jumpers, uh, as we call them, both who are, one's jumping at 130, the other one's jumping foxes 130s. Both we've got tickets to the blue chips all cancelled. Um, the Bay Horse had picked up a ticket to the National Grade C's um, at Onley, where I, I went faster than in a jump horse, and I galloped down to a big ox of sort of 140, 145 oxes, more than I've ever done in my life. 
suddenly I had a bit of respect for the show jumpers. They're like big fences. Anyhow, he, he was brilliant. And we, so we had lots of tickets and lots of shows. And we were meant to be at Thorsby today. And we were meant to be jumping the grade C finals tomorrow at Addington. And everything's gone. Um, and it's, it's pretty much the same for everyone. Um, and, and we're all really very much in the same boat. So I guess, you know, sort of the things we're now working on here, obviously with respect to the NHS and with respect to not wanting to put any pressure on anyone. I think everyone's in a very, very different position here. And I, you know, um, I've seen a lot of uh, fairly nasty stuff on Facebook and Instagram and people being very negative. Um, before we sort of go any further, I want to caveat the whole lot by saying we are locked in here. Um, I'm locked in with a very good team of girls and horses that I know very, very well. Um, that said, even now, we're not jumping, jumping. We're using lots and lots of, um, we're doing training exercises. So we backed off the horses, but obviously everyone has their own situation. We can't turn out. We're on clay. It's been a horrific winter. Um, so we, we don't have turnout yet still. Um, so we have to keep the horses entertained because if we don't keep them entertained, then, you know, sort of the day we do try and get on them or turn them out, then they're going to hurt themselves or us or both of them. So with that in mind, that's our approach. But, you know, I caveat that massively that this is my approach on this yard and everyone will be dealing differently. And the important thing is to stay safe and stay sane, I think, as well. Um, so we're using, I suppose I'm working hard on my flat work. Um, I was lucky enough to get a couple of training sessions in just as we suddenly started realizing things might be changing very quickly. So I have lots of homework um, and I'm plugging away at that and I'm keeping a kind of training diary, which is, yeah. Um, even, even, you know, sort of just even now, just I, I tend to keep it just sort of through the year to, to refer back to and to check in with and to see progress in. And sometimes if I'm training and I have, lots of horses at a training session, then I can't necessarily take all the detail off every session. So I try and sort of give myself three or four pointers per horse to think about for, for when I next get back on them. So I take as much out of my training as I can. Um, so I've been going back to that. So doing, doing lots of flat work training and, and really just focusing on the ba basics, making sure that everything is correct. You know, we're not allowed to lose a stride around a corner. We're not allowed to, no, no sloppiness, no bad transitions, no, 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 oh, that's okay. It's no, no, that wasn't perfect. Go back, do it again. You know, we've got time now. That, that's what we've got is time. Um, so it's really that step-by-step, step, every bit perfect, and then move it forward. And if that means you don't get as far as you want to one day in your training session, that's fine. You can go and pick it up tomorrow or go and pick it up in two or three days. You know, again, you've got the luxury of time. Um, so just to stop you for a moment so you can pause for a breath there Jodie thank you very much <laughs> I know it's great I can set you off and, and you and you get going and it's fantastic um, so just what would be some top tips maybe you'd have for people who are saying either they can't um, you know they, they're not very good at planning this stuff or they haven't got the goals anymore so they've lost their motivation or because I know you're very good at breaking things down aren't you and you know thinking about things logically so what would you say would be your top tips for people as a lot of us are obviously those that can ride as well at the moment in that situation yeah no totally I think you have to be um if you can give yourself I mean we we sat down and we looked at the calendar and obviously everything everything big's cancelled until at least June fine so I look at it, so we've got like a 12, 14 week window um, and just things I'd like to get done. So there's uh, one horse that I'd like to, you know, he's got decent changes, but actually he struggles left, right. So I've been working quite hard, quietly on the flat on his left, right change. Not every day, every two or three days. And, you know, just again, sort of that's my target. I want that really good, easy change to be 
you know, I'd like to ride in three, three times, four time changes in three months time, if we're still locked down. Um, so I think it's, it's having a, a little goal, you know, sort of park all your big goals, but think, okay, what about horse? What would it need to do? I've got a nice event horse who doesn't really have a change yet, which is fine because he doesn't need one. He's seven, um, but I'd like him to have one. So again, I'm sort of quietly starting to teach him his changes. Um, we have young horses around as well. So the young horses are just really progressing. And where my young horses have struggled is, is getting out and about because the roads are very quick around us sometimes. So um, the young horses have different targets. They have, you know, go and go hacking targets. Um, and, you know, again, safely and within within safe parameters. So with nannies, with lots of high vis on and on quiet times of day, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day. I'll probably take one out this afternoon. Um, but really just creating new goals, new targets, thinking a little bit laterally about what it is you want to achieve and a slightly different route of getting there. Um, you know, we're not jumping, but we're um, using kind of cavalettis and pole work. So they're doing exercises and actually having that degree of control that, that you might not want jumping a big track, but that you would jump, jump in a small track and the line has to be right and everything has to be sort of perfect. So rather than, trying to always push everything forward because we're always trying to reach goals it's take a little bit more time at every step of your training to try and make it the best bit of training you can get at that point um, and then put your, put your horse away you know work them two three days give them a day off work two or three days give them a day off you wake up in the morning and mentally you, you just don't feel up for it you know go and pat them on the nose and take them for a hand graze or chuck them in the field if you can just you, you have to I think we all have to give ourselves time through this period as well and, and not sort of be trying too hard to try and achieve things. If, if you're not feeling it, don't do it. And I think that's a really key point. Thanks, Jodie, that actually at the moment, everyone's in different situations. And, you know, some of us are super busy um, and some of people are stuck sitting on their own or sitting at home, not able to work. They might be furloughed. We might even come on to furlough later on, might we? But, um, you know, and so they're... <clears throat> they're not able to um, always feel kind of up for it and raring and ready to go. And it, actually, this is a perfect opportunity, isn't it? To just take some time out and chill for a bit because how many of us actually ever get the chance to really do that? In fact, there was a great um, piece I saw shared on um, Facebook and it was a picture of a round thing um, and it was called a Tuit, a T-U-I-T. And it said, well done guys, you've all been given one of these now. I was like, what? And in the post, it explained that this is something you've been given because you've said you're going to do all these things when you get around to it. And here it is right <laughs> now. And I just thought that was lovely that actually how many times we say, yeah, yeah, when I get around to that, I'll do it. Now, everyone's in a different situation. Like, I know you're crazy busy because you're na you've now got a yard full of horses that all need working by you because the liveries aren't, aren't coming to do it. So for you, the round to it probably aren't there, but for other people, they are. And like you say, just just allowing yourself some downtime is really key and really important part of training generally anyway isn't it no absolutely you know there's a, there's a lot of research even when the, even when our big horses are really busy that you know they have to have a day off a week to try and recover the muscles and and learn and we often find that once you you teach a horse something I mean I think we often work in three-day cycles even when they are in work and busy that you go in one day say maybe into the arena and you teach a horse something and you might have a couple of conversations about you know trying to explain really really clearly what you're trying to teach them um, and then you take a step back and the next day you might go into the arena and just try and ask for what you taught me yesterday and see how much of it sank in and see how quickly it's there. And if it's there really quickly, then, you know, you can be in there 10 minutes and 
you know, give them a pat and get it, particularly with the young ones. It, you know, you can be in there 10, 15 minutes, they understood the question, they, they got the answer right first time, stop. You know, if, if you feel that they need to be fitter than that, or you feel you've got more time to ride, go for a hat, go, go do something different, but don't, don't then sort of reiterate, reiterate. And so this is quite a nice pause moment for people to see, I suppose, evaluate their training programs a little bit, um, understand where they've got to as well. I think it's important to, you can assimilate all, all the information you have and where you've got to and what, why, why you were heading towards the goals you were heading towards and actually then go, okay, great. Well, had I done everything that I wanted to do to be in this place or were there other things that I thought maybe I needed to get this done or that done before I you know, moved on to my next goal in whichever sphere it is. And, and this is time to, I suppose, breathe and do a bit of homework or if there's an area um, of your training that you're not quite sure about, you know, sort of go back and retrace your steps. I mean, I've got horses and, you know, we've had horses of all levels and, and one of my, my to it <laughs> um, is to go back through my diaries and, and rehash my, my fitness schedules because I've used lots of different gallops, some horses I've swum, some horses I've treadmilled and actually there's, there's must be a wealth of information in there that I know I would find really handy to have at my fingertips but I just I need to sit with five years worth of diaries and decant it into a laptop. Um, so that'll be my tier at one day. But you know, all, all this stuff and everyone, you know, it doesn't matter how how what level you ride at and what you do, I'm sure everyone's got a bit of a you know diary bank somewhere that they can mine for a bit of data, a bit of information that will make you make better decisions going forwards or more informed decisions going forwards. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're stuck locked in, that's what I'd do. Okay, cool. That's great. Thank you very much. Um, and I think that's very key, isn't it? That actually, if you are stuck, 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 locked in, that's quite hard to say. And, um, you know, you can't get to your horses or whatever, then there is loads of stuff that you can do. And I always keep saying that, you know, now is the perfect time to be looking at your mindset. And in actual fact, very soon, we're going to be launching a four week live reset your mindset course online. So keep an eye out for that, guys, because that is coming um but yes yeah, so um should we go on to rehab now because actually a lot of what you started to talk about there were things that you can be doing with horses or in fact other people can be potentially doing some of this stuff can't they where we call it rehab at the moment but maybe it's stuff that actually they were missing along the way because they were progressing so quickly wanting to get to a goal that they might have missed some of the things their horse really needs to stay stronger fitter and work for longer perhaps so should we go on to a little bit for you about your ideas around rehab what you do with it how we can possibly be thinking about that at the moment for our horses if we can get to them as well yeah no absolutely i think you know so i suppose it's rehab slash conditioning i suppose in that framework um it's something we do a lot of here uh we are very very lucky to have an, an equine spa here um that's not a treadmill um, everyone always rings me and says oh gosh you know have you got the treadmill the one that walks no it's the one they stand still in but it's effectively the equivalent of an equine ice bath so we put them in there and it, it, anything below the knee is, is ice cold and it, it's proved very helpful for lots of different things so I suppose for a background perspective my rehabs are we we take in horses um, we've had race horses we've had eventers we've had jumpers um, we've got a show pony at the moment uh, with all sorts of shapes and sizes but the principles of how you manage them doesn't change it, it's it's very much about consistency um, you know it it matters the the little attention to detail the understanding of something's warm or cold and and the incremental changes and I suppose I'm, I'm one of my rehabs at the moment is my my father's sort of four-star horse um, who is now trotting for 10 minutes a day now the the excitement is a little bit you know tangible when you've got 20 minutes ridden a day and 10 of them's trotting it's a bit out of control <laughs> but I was thinking about this when I was riding him this morning and you know so thinking about how it relates but actually it, it's very much like 
riding in lockdown in many ways because I ride him for 20 minutes every day and it's you know that doesn't change for a good while and of those 10 minutes I'm trying to make good use of them so I have a plan he works a little bit left a little bit right we start in circles and straight lines and then every day I go circles straight lines make sure they're perfect make sure I can get my corners and then take that forward and do a bit of shoulder forward and a bit of leg yield and in time I'll then start putting in the half pass as well and I think by that point I really like to be cantering But, you know, it, it, it's the same same thing, um, I suppose, in a in a different guise is is just this this lockdown, this perspective we've got in the world right now is just slowing everything down and being really, really systematic and being quite disciplined as well. But I think maybe, you know, sort of if you're struggling a little bit with motivation, then if you give yourself a kind of disciplined checklist of I want to do this and I want to do that, then you'll you'll start feeling like you're achieving things as well. And that may help with motivation side of things. I, I'm, I'm no psychologist or, or anything like that, but that just seems to be, you know, I can look back and I can say, well, you know, I can do this with him now, but I couldn't do, you know, he's been stuck in the box for eight months. He couldn't, first bit of shoulder fall was a bit tragic to be honest. Um, but now he's started comfortably moving around and, and moving sideways and, and everything's starting to very slowly feel better and feel stronger. Um, and I think the same can apply that if we all just sort of scroll back a little bit, dial up, and say right what can we do with our horses you know if you if you can get to them and do things safely that think oh you know that pole work exercise I'd love to do it or or I'd like to see it being a bit more supple laterally well you know then make it your mission to do you know sort of 10 leg yields each way today and then when you've done your 10 leg yields each way stop you know pat it on the nose give it a handful of grass put it back in its box go and look after yourself Um, but that hopefully will, will you know that's how I'd motivate myself a little bit through this yeah super thanks and actually I have put some stuff out this week about goal settings and how to stay motivated and things as well um so it might be worth looking into that um but yeah that's great I've got a question for you Jodie from Mm -hmm. Alison on the chat she said for those of us who aren't on full livery but are on lockdown so we can't get to our horses and we've got horses that now won't be getting exercised um they're going to get fat and lazy what will we have to do when we come to start them again um that depends obviously it depends case by sorry hi Alison um that depends case by case on exactly what they're doing uh we've got partner green horses here some of which are on just going on the walk twice a day because they're on holiday and some of which we're taking over and doing a little bit of work with um if your horse is sort of kept moving which I'm assuming it is um and, and leaving its box at least it's sort of once a day um it will be a case of just really again picking picking them back up starting with small sessions so starting with sort of 20 minutes and and but but regular so make sure you do go back to riding kind of five times a week but five times for 20 minutes ago rather than five times of sort of 40 minutes and don't don't hop on and go for a two-hour hack um i would go slowly build it up start you know get out there get on them get 20 minutes working them then if they're sane and they're sensible get them out hacking um and really just sort of build up slowly over you know we normally give it if you have a couple of weeks off um, you need a week of, of sort of decent work to get back to where you were so your horse's fitness levels they tend not to vary too much if they have a couple of weeks off once you get over two weeks they do start to drop sort of latent fitness so I would look at it in two week chunks but every two weeks um, you can't get to them they that that's a, a week of going slow which means no more than 20 minutes in the school or out hacking for maybe half an hour 40 minutes but lots of walking little bit of trotting um, and then make sure that you put those weeks back in 
um, when you do start riding again. So for instance, if you can't get to your horse for four weeks now, I would say when you do get back on your horse, give him two weeks of going slowly before you start to ask more of him. And that's not to not ride him in the school. It's just to, you know, limit your time. 20 minutes um, deep and soft and connect as you start strengthening the muscles back up. But be, be, you know, disciplined with them. If they're fat and lazy, they've got to go forward when you put your leg on. Um, it's, it's, you know, they've got to learn and, and get back to it very quickly in that way. Um, if they're super sharp, then you work them for 20 minutes and you get off them and you pat them on the nose and put them back on the walk a little bit. Um, but everyone's schools will be different, but that, that's how we'd approach it. Great. Thanks very much, Jodie. And I hope that was helpful for you, Alison. If you can just put a yes in the comments so that we know that is, that would be fantastic. Um, if anyone else has got any questions for Jodie on anything, please do feel free to ask them. I'm monitoring the um, chat on here at the moment so that we can okay so um while there are any other questions right now then jody let's have a chat about mindset so um we've been working together for a little bit haven't we on performance mindset and things like that and then you've also got some thoughts on mindset at the moment and bits and pieces as well so i know you wanted to share a little bit about that with everyone so away you go yeah no um i suppose i mean our, our history with jenny and i working together is really that um i suppose it, it's two-sided really on the one side I, I found that I was you know I came from a background of having quite a professional high power career and I had absolutely no qualms about I suppose being quite gritty within that um, I was quite tough um, I, I don't know words words you'd sort of describe it with but that kind of mental toughness I, I didn't have an issue with at work I was always one of the sort of tougher um, you know something needs doing you just get it done and I really took that on um, when I started, obviously I started riding again as a, as a sort of hobby and leisure. And when that started to become more demanding and at a higher level, I suppose I, I sort of saw where I needed to be. I saw that I needed to have that bit of grit, that bit of mental toughness, but I couldn't really transfer it. Um, and I think it's because I cared too much. You know, I, I really, really wanted to succeed at the riding, whereas with the with the work thing, it's just what I had to do to survive. And that was that. Um, so Jenny really helped me, I suppose, cross over from the corporate culture, that that kind of grit and that just, you know, just do it. I took my approach um, into my riding where I sort of worry and panic and second guess myself and, and actually, no, it just needed to get on with it. Um, so that that would be one angle that, that we've worked quite heavily on. Um, and then I suppose once I then started to come into the top levels um, and, you know, it, it is it is a, a funny old thing that, you know, when you you dream for years of, of jumping your first advance or jumping around Blenheim, we're very local to Blenheim, Blenheim has been my bucket list event forever. Um, and you dream and dream and dream of getting to these places and doing these things. And then suddenly when you are there, um, I had this overwhelming feeling that I was in the wrong place. I mean, that it was all just an absolutely elaborate joke that really I, I shouldn't be here at all. I should be, you know, sat in the crowds with a bottle of Prosecco kind of hanging out. It, and, and that really was my, um, it began to be a little bit of a problem. You know, you suddenly, you're cantering around your warm up and okay, my little grey horse is, is, no, is no flash pants in the dressage department. But even, even, you know, even with what we were doing, I just, I just felt completely intimidated. Um, and you know, once you've got Andrew Nixon whistling at you in the wall up to get out the way, it, it just it just used to throw me into a bit of a spin. So um, Jenny and I worked quite hard on that. I think sort of imposter syndrome that you know really we're all working as hard as each other at this level. We're all doing the same things and really running back to the facts 
that when I look down my horse's record and where we've been and what we've done, you know, if anything, we've done more than some other people to be in that place. Um, not everyone, because everyone has their own route. And you know, I have so much respect for everyone who does does what 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 I do and and does it far better and far longer. And you know, I think it was an element of that respect that that led to that slight sort of imposter syndrome feeling. But I think it's it was very real, um, and it just became something that again I just started to get a little bit um, worried by. So we've worked quite hard across those two things to actually me to feel a you know that are confident that you know I have done the homework I do deserve to be there um and b that um really that I can take you know what was a, a sort of fairly high power career and take the the good or the, the useful bits of, of of my character out of that and actually put them into my riding without necessarily you know needing to lose anything across the way but just keeping that quality of of, of grittiness I suppose is the best way of putting it yeah <laughs> great thanks and what would you say are the most useful things at the moment where you're at um in regards to this current situation that you're finding from a mindset perspective are helping you out or any hints and tips you would like to give to other people at the moment from your perspective obviously um i think it's giving yourself structure and discipline um and holding yourself to account a little bit i think it'd be easy to just like oh we've got three weeks and we can't leave the farm and you know sort of tomorrow 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 and i'm a little bit i'm working quite hard to make sure that we as a, a team don't get into the tomorrow habit um because there's lots of useful stuff we can do as well you know and there's lots of stuff that you don't get time to do often at this time of year because you are busy away it shows for five days in a trot and then you come home for two days and then you go away again and actually no we're not we're all here um so let's try and use this time really productively and do things you know and use use us I mean me, my partner and I are normally traveling so we're here so let's let's you know sort of try and use the time we've got um and use it sort of well um but also you know yes Keep, keeping going in that way but also being mindful that people have got friends and family in difficult situations and and so just to it, it's a it's a fine line and everyone will find their own balance between right I need to go and achieve things and then I can sit down in the evening and feel like I've, I've achieved something today and equally just knowing yourself and knowing when you need to take the foot off the gas a little bit and just just look after yourself go for a go for a walk um you know sort of read a book just do something completely different um but ev everyone's going to be different with that but just just that combination of, of self-motivation also but just looking after yourself as well cool thank you very much for that so one of the things we were going to talk about a little bit is because your background is in law and particularly in am i right commercial contract law is that the right yeah. element um we thought it'd be quite handy for you today if there's anything that you can give us some thoughts or hints or tips or anything from your perspective um, from a legal perspective uh, that you can give the guys and indeed if you've got any questions anyone please do put them in the chat um, and we'll do our very best well I won't Jodie will do her very best <laughs> to um, answer anything that you might want to know about at the moment so just tell us a little bit about how you think well, not how you think but how you can help some people potentially at the moment with that kind of thing yeah, no, absolutely. I'm um, I'm still a lawyer. Um, I'm even even though I do all this um, equestrian stuff, I'm a partner at a firm called Gunner Cook, which um, has a very uh, modern working arrangement whereby actually they they let people work from home. They let people work um, really pick their own environment, um, which is enormously productive. And I think particularly in, in current circumstances is really really proving very beneficial because we're we're all used to working remotely. That that's how we work. Um, 
we within Gunner Cook, I worked for a num- I work for a number of clients both within and outside the equestrian industry. And obviously I work for small businesses, big businesses, but my focus is more with smaller startups and smaller, I suppose, equestrian focused businesses. That's where I like to work. I like to help people who um, whose business I know and the sector I know really well. Um, it's a useful way to combine, I suppose, knowledge and expertise is, is to understand the people you're working with. Um, so we have had a, a flurry of being busy, um, I suppose, would be the best way of putting it, working with people to understand both how they're going to work their businesses through the next sort of month, two months, three months, wherever we end up, um, and understanding also what the government's proposals are. Obviously, everyone in the government's working incredibly hard to try and pull together support so that people don't lose their jobs, so that mass redundancy is avoided. And I have huge respect to them because they must be absolutely non-stop doing this stuff. I mean, we're all clamoring for it, but at the same time, it's 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 a person who's the other end of that and, and having sat, you know, with those types of deadlines in the past. Um, respect to the guys who are in the in the treasury who are working incredibly hard to sort this stuff out. Um, there are options. Uh, we've been talking to a lot of employers about what to do with their employees, particularly in areas where you know suddenly there is no work. Um, you know, if if you're all staying at home, you can't travel around the countryside doing things. Um, and so many of us, either self-employed or within the equestrian industry, and, and employed people are focused on being able to visit yards and do things and 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 you know sort of go and see people and of course we can't do any of it and then again there's so many jobs and so many companies involved in the events industry and obviously no events um the the list sort of goes on um i suppose (coughs) apologies for coughing i promise i'm not sick (laughs) um i suppose what would be key points to talk about would be as a as an employer or or indeed as an employee to keep talking um communication through this period is absolutely key people need to keep talking to each other it sounds obvious um but actually in the day and age of email and text messages and whatsapps it's actually really important just to pick up the phone and get a sense of where people are and that they're okay um the Government has announced, um, obviously, the furlough scheme, which there's some new guidance came out suddenly late last night, thank heavens, because we've all been waiting for it. Um, This, you know, you may be an employee, you may find yourself on furlough, you may be an employer and considering it. um, We're we're talking to lots of people about it. Effectively, the government will um, reimburse, as I understand it, up to 80% of an employee's wages, or um, I think the the cap is £2,500 a month, which, whichever is, is the lesser of the two. Um, and that employee then must not work for the company for that period of time. But the aim is to make sure that we don't have mass redundancies. So it's, it's, it's a really useful scheme. It's a scheme that will work for some people very effectively. Um, the detail, as I said, came out very late last night. So I haven't actually gone through it because I've been running my rehabs. <laughs> But, you know, that that could be a really, really useful scheme. Um, And interestingly, what they haven't done is they haven't put a condition that, you know, you absolutely can't do any redundancy after furlough. If you use furlough, you know, if you use the furlough scheme and then and then you're then you get to a position, you realize you still don't have any work, but the work's picking back up again and the furlough's sort of coming to an end. Then if you do need to let people go, you can. And that also actually may well help employers and help employees, because if you're in a borderline situation, then at least you've got options. And at least by choosing furlough, I think in other countries, um, the, the, if, if they use a furlough type scheme, then 
if, if furloughs used, they can't then go back and then say, actually, you know, sort of the world has changed and we no longer need six people doing these jobs. We need four and we need a redundancy process. They have to keep the six on, which I think if, if I was sat advising a company at this point, and you thought you're on a knife edge on that decision, then you might need to lose those two people anyway, despite your furlough scheme, simply because you have to look at where you might be in 12 months as well. Um, but obviously anything to do with employers, employees, this, is, this comes down to the fundamental principle of a contract. It's an agreement, guys. Um, you have to communicate, you have to be in agreement. So if, if, you're, if you're an employee and your employer comes to you and says, you know, sort of, this is where we are, um, and, and they talk to you and they engage with you and they need, your, you know, they need your agreement to proceed with any of these schemes. Equally, if you're an employee, you need to agree to it. But I think the, the overriding point to remember through all of it is that the government and, and by token your employers, we're, we're trying to keep people in work. Um, you know, everyone appreciates it's an incredibly hard time, but, but the point is we're trying to avoid having people out of work. We're trying to keep people in work, keep people, you know, so even if you are furloughed and you're at home and you're locked in and, you know, at least you're still earning and there will be an end to this. You know, we will come out the other side. Cool. Thanks very much for that, Judy, for your thoughts on that. We haven't had any questions come in about that side of things, but if anyone wants to put any, then please do. Um, and how do we get hold of you, Jodie, if we do have any questions about that kind of thing? What's the best way to do that? Um, best way of getting hold of me is currently via um, Facebook. If you search me, I have a public profile um, or Stonehill Sport Horses has a page or um, Gunna Cook also has obviously a website and there's an email address and contact numbers on all of those. Um, so I'm very much there. And one thing that I think, you know, once once the, I suppose, shock of, of where we are and, and the uncertainty of, of what's going on passes, which it will, you know, life will return to slightly more normal um, or, or a new version anyway, um, is, is for people who are then sat at home slightly sort of thinking, well, what do I do next? Is, you know, go back and look at your commercial contracts, look at all the stuff you're doing, look at what works and what doesn't work, you know, do the cost benefit, run through the numbers, make sure what, what does and doesn't work. If, if you're a brand and you have um, people you work with and sponsors and brand ambassadors, you know, who's working for you, who's not. Um, and then I would look through and also do all your um, slightly boring legal documents and go through and make sure what, what you've got reflects properly what you want to achieve and what you want to deliver and that your termination periods work and that your ability to get in and out of contracts works and really that you sort of thoroughly understand what you're doing and why. And I think the same would apply, you know, professional riders, you know, make sure that you're happy with all, all your paperwork's in order or your really, this is, you know, in a funny way, an opportunity to get the house in order. And to that extent, it is, it is a really good idea to do it. Um, but yeah, no, I can be found all over the place. I think if you hit Google, I'll come up somewhere. Um, Stonehill Sport Horses has a website, um, Gunner Cook has a website, everything's on Facebook, there's an Instagram, uh, normally with pretty pictures of my pony in the spa because he's cute. Um, but you know, we're, we're very much findable and all, all of those different ways of finding me will find me. Super, okay. And um, just a point that you did raise there actually that's probably worth exploring a tiny bit more is this idea of sponsor contracts and rider contracts. So as many of you know, I work closely with um, Riviera PR and um, she's very good at helping riders to get sponsorship contracts, to get you know the, their PR, their social up and running and, and doing things like that. 
Um, and of course, a part of that is contracting, isn't it? Um, and so it'd be interesting to hear what your thoughts are um, around rider contracts, sponsor contracts, why indeed we need them or don't need them, in, in fact. Uh, no, thank you. It's, it's, it's a useful one, I think, because effectively no, no one goes into these arrangements. You know, we're, from, a, from a rider's perspective, I, you know, I say I work with dogs in the hall. DNH are brilliant. The feed works. It all is. It is. It is great, and the the service works, and it, it's very simple to work with. Now, they um, quite rightly put me on a. I think it's a brand ambassador contract, um, but effectively to ensure that while we're all happy at the outset, because you know no one starts these relationships thinking that it might go sour. Um, that should should there be any incident, should there be any issue, should there be any. Um, controversy or you know if, if I was to suddenly start you know feeding loads of dengue and, and putting that all over Facebook or, or anything else that that they have a very I suppose we have rules of the game up front um, and that's really what a sponsorship contract any kind of commercial contract really should do no one goes into a commercial relationship wanting to fall out with anyone but if we all have very very clear kind of rules of the game you know, this is great, this is what I expect from you, this is what I'll give you, both, going both ways, you know, sort of, if the sponsor's going to give you a pile of kit, then they expect a certain amount of, of coverage um, on the socials, or they expect to turn up at a show, make sure that your team are wearing the kit, um, then, then if all of this is clear and on, on paper up front and everyone's read it and understood it, then it really decreases the opportunities for things to go wrong, I think. Um, the, the, the issues we always come across and the issues I hear about are sort of, well, I gave X a load of kit and actually they haven't worn it and actually they're online sort of promoting someone else who did something similar. And by that point, you know, you've, you've lost the 500 quid's worth of kit and you've lost the opportunity as well. So for, I, I think people sort of think, oh gosh, we don't need law involved. It's, it's silly. It's a waste of money. Actually, it could be the best money you spend because once you have a basic template agreement of of what you expect, what you expect to get, um, and certain circumstances in which case you will withdraw all of your support immediately, um, whatever they may be, um, which are to do around with reputation management as well. So once everyone has the rules of the game, then, then people can work forward and let the relationship happen. And it might be reviewed on a year basis, a two year basis, whatever it is, but you set out and you start the relationship with really, really clear guidelines. Um, and they can be linked to payments and they can be linked to, you know, sort of whatever, whatever you want them to link to. But what you don't end up with is a situation with exactly that where, you know, sort of there's a, oh, no, but I didn't understand. I was meant to wear your kit every show. And it's like, OK, fine. Well, you've got five sponsors. Well, then you rotate the kit around. But again, you put that up front and you make that clear up front rather than letting letting a situation arise where people do fall out and feel like they haven't, you know, either a sponsor feels like they've not been supported or dealt with properly or a rider feels like they haven't got the right kit um all of which can end up in negative publicity for both parties which obviously everyone wants to avoid so yeah i'd, I'd fully fully support getting someone to have a look through your documents um if you've got some or to prepare your documents and really it's, it's a very very clean bargain you know you want a sponsor has stuff or kit or product um and wants kit product etc featured um, rider needs kit products anything like that which we all need you know we, we, we go through so much stuff it's untrue um, 
sadly ponies don't come out their stable sparkling every day. I only wish they did. Um, you know, we 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 need to use things. Um, we we have a policy of we only work with people that with the stuff that we really really use and we really love. Um, so we like to try stuff out and then use it and then we love it and then we'll support it till the cows come home. Um, please keep us in stuff and we will keep supporting it. And I think, you know, that's how the bargaining process has to work. And that, that's really, you know, that can be dealt with in a very clean way. And then anyone can get on with doing what they do first, which is, you know, for the sponsor actually producing their stuff and for the rider riding on horses. Um, so it really takes the stress out of it. Yeah, and to think as well that it doesn't always have to be stuff either, does it? You know, like for instance, I provide a service so our, our sponsorship agreement is based around services isn't it so yeah. it's not always about a saddle pad or a piece of kit or something like that sometimes there could be someone who provides a service that actually you'd find really helpful and if um so for instance even if you've got like a local car garage or something to to sponsor you by moting your car or something like that it's something that you're not having to spend out on but they're getting in return for marketing for instance so when people start to think about who their sponsors and things are then you can get a bit creative on it, can't you? Mm, absolutely, and it really doesn't matter. It, it, it's the point that you know, sort of whatever the whatever the benefit you receive, whether it's services or anything else, it, it's just sort of understanding that that benefit. And obviously, it, it, you know, it is a much more commercial world now. We, we have to work on the basis that, um, that people are, people don't just give things away. Um, and anyone anyone who thinks that happens is is is, is unfortunate um, or, or just just not really you know, everything everyone's time is is worth something particularly in an economy where we are so many of us self-employed um and so many of us you know we will give our time gladly but we, we have to work in a way in which there is a cost benefit across with it so yeah um but again just contracting simply and straightforwardly to cover the bases on these things um really will help you in the longer run because it will make sure that there is just so much less scope for for things to go wrong or there to be misunderstandings Cool. Okay. So we have had one question come in then um, going back to uh, work, working on horses. And mm -hmm. that is this one. Um, when you do gallop work, mm -hmm. what do you tend to do as in the structure of your sessions for gallop work? Um, <laughs> uh, thank you for the question. That is a little bit of a how long is a piece of string question, um, simply because it depends very heavily on what your horse is, um, what type of horse it is. Uh, what level you're riding at, what you're competing for. Are you aiming for a B90? Are you aiming for an advanced? It, the, the, the gallop work will change considerably. Um, and also what uh, facilities you've access to. So whether you're working on a gallop or whether you're working, going out hacking and cantering around fields. Um, and there is no right and wrong. You know, everyone has to make the best use of what they've got. Um, so it's really important that we all sort of, you know, it's, it's not necessary to say, right, I've got to go galloping and I've got to go to the gallops. You know, you might have a really good field with a nice little bit of a pull on it and that would be lovely if the ground's good there great crack on um what we would say what i would always say is that my horses the event horses work six days a week uh, with one day off if there's just full physical recovery um they will usually have a go day off after a gallop set uh the horses that are competing at sort of 100 level the the young horses they're not necessarily galloping they will go out and have the odd long canter. It's more to make them blow and make them sort of feel 
you know, let, let them understand that they can canter quietly for five minutes, um, not at full tilt, but just that they can maintain a rhythm for sort of five minutes or so without it being a grand drama. Because obviously at your show, you're then throwing jumps in everywhere as well. So it's, it's, it's more again. And especially at the lower levels, I find it's really important as well for the riders and for your riding fitness that you, you are capable of maintaining a two-point seat uh, off your horse's back, um, you know, in balance, in, in good balance for, for a good five minutes. Um, so we do lots of training out hacking with the girls and we do trotting, we trot up hills in two points and we do all that kind of thing, which is miserable on the thighs, <laughs> but to maintain our strength and to maintain our positions. So, so that kind of work is really important. But yeah, as a rule of thumb, I think, you know, when you're working them jumping around 90s, they've got to blow and blow properly 90s meters once a week. Um, as your competition, try again as your competition level increases as you go up the levels then you'll find you need to be cantering more often um at the other end of the scale uh the the four-star horse he's not a natural fitty he's he's much more inclined to be a bit of a fatty um he tends to be galloping every fourth day so he will do a mixture of when he's in full work he does a mixture of treadmilling flat working um, galloping, jumping, um, and all within that. But he, his gallop work when he's in full fitness has to be every fourth day because he has to be so, so fit to jump around 11, 12 minute courses because he's basically a quarter pony. Um, but again, ev everyone's horse will, will change. But the important thing about fitness is to think about it not ju just as, you know, am I fit enough to ride around this event? It's am I fit enough for my horse to jump around this event and then come out the next day and look good? Or does it come out and look exhausted? Because if it doesn't, you know, they, a bit of adrenaline will kick in, um, a, a bit of, you know, sort of, gosh, we're at a show and everyone tries a bit harder and everyone pushes a bit harder and the horse loves the job as well. They're a bit like, yeah, let's do it. Um, you've got to remember that actually your horse, you know, it, it's about how they come out the next day and could you go and do it again in a week's time or in two weeks' time? Um, you don't want a horse that, that leaves it all at the show and comes home the next day and is done at the very top level they'll, they'll look a bit weary but they tend to come out the next morning and you will see like after a badminton or after a burley and, and some of these top horses come home and get put in the field the next day and they're bucking and playing around the field and that's you know that's really 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 top level horse management and conditioning because those horses are so fit and so strong that they come out the monday after a badminton yeah i'm sure they feel a little bit niggly but they're bucking and they're playing and they're having a nice time and they feel good and that's, that's got to be the aim. Whatever the level, the aim is that your horse could come out on a Monday morning and say, yeah, where's the next one? Not, oh, dear God, don't let me do that again. Perfect. Thank you very much, JD. That's fantastic. Um, we've covered a lot today um, because you have so much, so much knowledge and so many things. It's been <laughs> great. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you want to add that you don't feel you covered that you'd like to that maybe you thought as we went along? Um, we haven't got any more questions that have come in live at the moment. Um, but uh, if not, then we will wrap up there. Is there any other business, no, Jodie? <laughs> any other business? Oh, geez, I feel like I'm bored me too. Um, no, absolutely not. I think just to say that, you know, in, in this, this weird time, and I suppose people will find this and, and watch it back and, and find it in their own time. And A, thank you for watching and being interested. And B, if, if there's anything that you think that we've touched on that you'd like to ask more questions about or that you'd like to understand a bit more about or you just have a question or you'd just like to get in touch, then, you know, please do. Um, my my sort of virtual door is always open um, and yeah I've, I've, I've been there you know I was 
it wasn't it was probably five years ago and I was sort of trotting around 100s and thinking gosh you know that novice fancy looks big um, so you know I'm, I'm not I, I understand completely and I really really do understand also the the pressures and pitfalls of, of trying to combine careers and work and driving because I did that for the first five years and that was tricky um, Facebook memories has a funny way of bringing it to light and I think I saw one this morning that just went something like it's Thursday it's 1 30 I'm supposed to be at a show tomorrow morning I'm sat in a office with a bag of yum yums and five conference calls to do I have no idea how I'm going to do it and and that really that really was my life five years ago and I really had no idea how I was going to do it but somehow I got there um and due to huge support from friends and family and and the people around me but you know also it, it it's hard and you feel quite lonely sometimes so um if, if you're in that place then please don't um please feel free to reach out because yeah I've been there I've done it and I'll, I'll try and be helpful or if not I'll try and make you laugh probably both badly but you know <laughs> Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? I mean, there are so many people in that situation and certainly something I've found over the years coaching and working with people um, is that I lost count of how many people I've now coached out of those sort of jobs and into what they really love instead. So be warned. Um, Jodie's entirely right. I didn't coach Jodie to do it. She'd already done hers. But, um, you know, if, if you're getting in touch with Jodie, she'll help you out. And if you want to get in touch with me, then I'll get you working out how to get out of that office with the five conference calls and the bag of mine was um, chocolate hobnobs. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, and we can work and look into how you want to do that if there's something that you want to do we've, we've, we've both done it um, and I can coach you into it if you want to as well so but yeah um, I have tagged Stonehill Sports Horses in this um, Facebook tag obviously if you're listening to this on the podcast because this is going to be put on the podcast later then you'll have to go to our Facebook page and have a look at Flying Changes Coaching and um, find it on there but yeah thank you so much Jodie for everything it's brilliant. I love the fact I can just ask you a question and off you go. Um, it's less of an interview and more of a just uh, uh, questions with lots of answers. So thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge and, you know, everything that you have got to share. Um, obviously, if people want to be in touch with you about anything, you've, you've now told us how you can. And hopefully, well, not hopefully, but when we are out the other side of this, then um, your services are very, very much available from rehab, training, livery, all sorts of things as well, aren't they? So um, just yeah. keep Jodie in mind when we're out the other side and hopefully you might see her on her beautiful flying grey or the big gorgeous bay one um what are their official names Jodie if anyone ever wants to go out and see where you're uh, at <laughs> well uh the, the, the flying grey is, is rehabbing that, that sky's the limit um he was aimed at sort of a burley or pole last year but sadly that all went a little bit wrong um if he comes back well we may try and get to pole this year um otherwise uh from an eventing perspective keep an eye out on the flying grey's little brother um, a steel grey by Womanizer called Elite Ruby's Cheat. Um, we've also got our first crop of homebreds who'll be out competing this year for the first time. So that's very exciting because I rode both their mummies. Um, and that's one called Azurite and one called Zamillion Gin. Uh, both chestnut mares, um, both very different, both, both, both with good, good, good aspects on life. Um, from a jumping perspective, you want to keep an eye out for Flugel. Um, he's a big, beautiful bay horse. He's um, he's scared of shadows and scared of his own feet and scared of all sorts of things. Um, but he he really, really, really loves jumping big jumps. Um, so yeah, no. Hopefully, we we have very big plans for the year, and we were going to go to lots and lots of big big shows in the UK and abroad. Um, so we're just keeping everything crossed that you know. Hopefully, once once this passes, that we have a few big outdoor shows to go to because um, I think it'd be fun. 
Yeah, definitely. And we can't wait to see you out and about at them. We had grand plans to come and watch you um, <laughs> as well. So uh, we will do, we will do this. This will, this will one day will be a distant memory. Um, yeah, exactly. This we time will, will pass. You know, it will pass. Will. And we will be those people saying to our grandchildren, oh, wow, I remember coronavirus. You've got no idea. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> well, thank you ever so much. We're going to, we're going to finish it there for now, JD. But um, as always, um, Keep in touch and uh, and have a have a great day. Pleasure. Um, take care, everyone, and enjoy the sunshine either from from the inside or from the outside, whichever you can. Bye. And I hope you enjoyed listening to that Q and A there from Jodie Seddon. Um, please subscribe to this podcast if you want to hear more. Every Friday we have a live Q and A, which then gets put out into a podcast so you can listen to it. And of course, our Facebook page, Flying Changes Coaching, and our uh, group, the Dream It Do It Love It Lounge on Facebook, and our Instagram page, Flying Changes Coach. Hope you follow it all, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. <laughs>